Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through, sorry, 25 through 30 we'll be reading. We'll be concentrating on verses 28 through 30 for our sermon today. Let us hear the word of God. Answer said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the reading of God's Word. As we look at our passage today, we see that this is part of a response to John the Baptist's disciples' question back in verse 3. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And as we look into a part of Jesus' answer to this question, we see that He gives without a doubt a yes. He is the coming one. And who John had been preaching about. There is no need to look any further. This begs the question for us here today. Do we know that Christ is the one whom all of Scripture has said was coming to be the Savior of the world? Have we here today, have we really come to true faith in Christ? Have we really shed the dead man of this world where we are no longer bogged down by our sins? And we really trusted in the work that Christ did for us on the cross. So as we investigate the scriptures, let's first look to see that he gives sinners an invitation. Here we have this warm invitation, invitation from the Savior where he says, come to me. In a world where we lock our doors, we lock our houses, in a world that is full of what Jesus refers to as these wide and wise and prudent, Our Lord and Savior says, Come. He who is the door to heaven is inviting you to have a personal relationship with Him. But Jesus' invitation is not just to to come in and sit down and have a Coke with Him and some chips and watch TV. It's something much, much deeper. And it's something much, much harder than just to come and walk up to Him. A lot of times we think that we can go to Jesus in our time of troubles and though He's there for us in those times or that we go to Him when we just have needs. Here, He's inviting us to have faith in Him alone. To trust, to give everything over, to rely on Him and nothing else. Notice that His invitation to come is directly to him. What Jesus is ultimately saying is, as he's responding to the uh, disciples here, is that he's opening up uh, his heart to us. He's saying, trust in God 
through me. Trust in the Father through me. But trust in what? Notice in our passage today that Jesus isn't just inviting just anyone, but rather a specific group of people. He says, Who labor and are heavy laden? I get a picture of when he says this. You've seen these folks who uh, live in these uh, out in these uh, places where you know there's not a lot of highways and transportation and trains and trucks. They'll stack these big loads of things on top of their heads, and they can trudge through all these amazing mountain paths and things. They just carry these huge loads, and they always seem to get where they're going. They seem they can handle that load. But here. Jesus is addressing the ones who have built a load upon themselves. They have stacked a load upon themselves and they're not having success. Those who feel a burden. Those who are being slowed down on a journey. Those who are feeling the weight that is tiring them and making them absolutely miserable. This is the group that Jesus' invitation is to. The very loads they're slowing them down, weighing them down. Their burden is their own sins and self-righteousness. As they go through life and they go on a journey, the weight of the attempts of their own works, their failures due to their own self-righteousness stack up on top of their heads. And as they're trying to find their grip on the road, it just keeps slipping. And it keeps pushing them down heavier and heavier. The sense of their sin and knowing that their burden must be relieved is so great. And yet they have not discovered how to have this burden of their fences toward God and man taken off their backs. Traveling down the road, the burden is heavier and heavier. Now this is a group has a very different attitude from those who think that they're just fine and won't be endeavors and don't need to accept the Christ invitation. Those are so focused on their own standards, not truly weighing themselves against God's righteousness, thinking they can walk right into the gates of heaven without any help from anyone. These are the ones that haven't felt Christ's call and knowing that it is only He who is truly righteous and worthy to walk into the gates of heaven. While their sin burden will be so great and heavy that they won't even be able to crawl into the gates on their own as there will be no relief from the weight of their sins and their own self-righteousness. So the Pharisees of Christ's time were a prime example of creating their own religion in form of godliness. They practiced dietary laws, tithing rituals, and had a set of Sabbath observances that they treated like a checklist of works of righteousness. And yet, they never dealt with their heart. Jesus deals with them in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, when he says, He spoke a parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous, and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that, of all that I possess. And then the tax collector, standing far off, said, would not so much raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who exalts himself, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So although the Pharisees grew up hearing the word of God every day, it never sank into their heart. They never felt the burden of their sin as they trusted their works, their rituals, and they never saw the darkness. The very word that they read says is in them. It's because of their self-made religion that Jesus warns them in Matthew chapter 28, 23, rather, verses 27 and 28, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are all like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside were full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And we see this with religions today. In some religions, people move up in the ranks, so to say. They get a bigger hat, a shinier robe, certain pennants to signify they're somehow moving up in their religion. See, these things never deal with the heart. Growing in grace. Now, like the tax collector, know that they are sinners needing God's mercy. They trust in those things. See, it's those who are invited by Christ that know that they need help from God and that they cannot bear the weight of their sins. And that's why Jesus says we must put on his yoke. Now, if you know what a yoke is, it's this big clump of wood that. Uh, you put on a uh, beast of burden and it helps them pull a plow or a, uh, a cart or whatever the case may be. And it's to actually help them ease their burden. And we know that the Jews at this time, the, the people that Jesus is speaking to, understood what a burden was. If you go back into Exodus, we see as they are under the the uh, slave drivers and the whips cracking of Pharaoh that as God has called them out of the land that Pharaoh is making things tough for them. He's make, he says take away their straw and have them make more bricks. Just increasing their physical load. So if a physical load does this, a physical burden where it weighs you down and makes things heavier, how much more a spiritual yoke would weigh you down? As we trust in ourselves or He teaches a man, that is exactly what occurs. Jesus is pointing to the fact that the Pharisees' burden of trying to live the law of Moses is heavy and burdensome. And it's going to weigh you down. And if we trust in ourselves and our own righteousness, the yoke will be so heavy that it will no longer be able to take a step under being crushed under the weight of our own self-righteousness that as we know from Isaiah is nothing more than filthy rags. How can we pull a yoke and be righteous with filthy rags? So the only option is to help find help with this burden as we cannot go out alone. And this is where Jesus says, His yoke is easy. See, there is a yoke with faith in Christ and we must be tethered to Him and it's He who helps us. Having faith in Christ lightens the burden of those who know the weight of their sins 
who don't see the way out from under their sins, except Jesus as their helper. Notice in verse 26, Jesus says that the yoke is easy, telling us that He is kind to those who are sin burdened. But we see also the opposite of the coin in here. We see that He says that it is good that the in the Father's sight that the unrepentant don't know that Jesus is the coming one. But those who are like helpless days before Him do know. Although man has sinned and alienated himself from God, Jesus tells us that He is here as a helper to the sin burden, the helpless babes, and at the same time, hidden from the unrepentant sinner. It's here with these words that Jesus reveals to us the heart of God for sinners. A heart that welcomes and warms you. See, the Bible tells us in John 1.18 that Jesus Himself is the one who exegetes, that is, He reveals the Father. Paul writes in Romans 2.4 that we see the God kindness of God laid out for the sinner as, or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, God has a heart for the repentant sinner. It is the heart of God, His kindness to us, to lead us that we believe and trust in Christ. It is God's kindness that we see Jesus as He invites sinners to be saved from the burden of their sin, which leads to which leads to eternal punishment. It is God's kind heart that Jesus came and that the will of the Father is revealed in the Son. It is God's kindness that anyone comes to faith in the Son and is able to put on His yoke and learn from Him. Despite their guilt, the burden of sin that sits upon them, it is God's kindness that makes us aware of our sin and we become like helpless babes. So we must be yoked and tethered and attached to Christ because we cannot go at it on our own. He is our help. If we go about trying to find repentance without Christ, we will get nowhere. It is in Christ who makes our labor easy. It is Christ who carries the burden for us. And it is Christ who keeps us from being crushed by the weight of our own sins. It is Christ who reveals the heart of God to those of us who through God's sovereignty reveals that He desires that sinners be saved. See, we must be wearing the yoke of Christ so that we can be led to truth by His hand for all other yokes lead to dead and a profitable end. Another way Jesus says this is in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, who abides in me, and I in Him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus reveals to us that makes His yoke different from the world, that it is kind, it is gentle. And not only is He the chosen one, but He is also the unique Son of God. In verse 27, He says that no one knows the Son except the Father. That Jesus can reveal the heart of the Father as He alone knows His heart because He alone is the Son. The ordinary prophet, the ordinary priest, only God the Son can rightfully state what the heart of God the Father is for the sinner. It is because Jesus is the same in substance equal in power and glory to the Father that Jesus can make this claim. And here the invitation is open to put on the yoke of faith in the Son. And these things have been given to the Son alone because it is Christ alone who saves. It is in Him that the sinner comes to life from death and is able to have saving faith in Jesus. Yes, Jesus as God came down to sinners, walked among them, and revealed the heart of God to repent and walk in His light. Jesus who reveals the will of the Father reveals that sinners come to rest in faith in Christ. It is faith in Jesus. 
that pleases the Father. We see a picture of faith in Christ when Peter stepped out of the boat to Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, verses 28-33. It reads, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, Jesus, said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of his boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This passage is often used to describe having faith in Christ and how we are to keep our eyes on Him. We are to keep our eyes on Him and trust in Him and go to Him in our trials and tribulations. But the point here is that Peter could not have walked on water without Christ. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink in the water, trusting himself. Becoming weighed down by his own worries and burdens as the sea began to swallow him up like a watery grave. But when Peter set his gaze upon Jesus, the Son of God, putting on the yoke of faith in Jesus, the yoke was so light that it didn't even push Peter down to the water. Truly accepting Christ's invitation to come. Having faith in Christ. We must be tethered to Christ. We will drown in the sea of our sin burden. Our sins will only push us into our own grave of self-righteousness. Our own sin burden bring us a yoke of death instead of putting on Jesus' yoke of life. This is why Jesus says that we must learn from Him. Jesus here further separates Himself from the Pharisees and from the ways of our world as he is literally putting himself against the religious authority of this time. And honestly, as I've said, things have not changed much since then. He says, You can bear their yoke, driving you into the ground with no end to your toil, or choose him who will give you the path to the rest from your sin burden. There are many ways that people choose to not learn from Christ. And they're in our face every day. And they refuse to have faith in Him and completely trust Him, looking for their own way. And there are many ways, but today I just want to bring up a few of the most common. The first is pluralism. Notice that Jesus says, does not say to learn from Him and them. And it's considered open-minded in our time to learn something from all religions. Sort of a do-what-works-best-for-you approach. But here Jesus proves to be an exclusivist. Learn from me, he says, me. That is, if you learn from anyone else, your burden will only grow heavier and heavier. Buddha, Muhammad, or whatever the New Age flavor of the week is, your burden will only grow and grow. It will never bring you rest as you don't have Christ alone for your helper. You set your gaze on other things than Jesus, and in the grave you sink. Your own works. And you trust in their own works. And you've heard it said, and maybe I have, or I've heard it said, maybe you have too, that some say you don't need Jesus as long as you're not a jerk. 
This is a man placing his own righteousness and his own feelings and his own standards above the Lord. However, the Bible is clear that the heart of man is too dark to trust itself. As it says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And in Mark 7, 21, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and adultery. Without Christ, man starts from his work from a place of darkness. As he trusts in himself, he cannot truly see the path he is on and the weight of his sins pile upon him as he looks to save himself. He does not have his gaze set upon Christ, but himself, and into the watery grave he sinks. There are those who think that they could be capable of having qualifications to come to Christ. This is one I've heard here on the streets of Atlanta. Many times I've had people tell me, I know I need church, but I'm struggling too much right now, and I have no business going to church, or I want to get nice clothes first so I can look acceptable to the Lord. What a lie from the mouth of Satan. To stop a man from accepting Christ's invitation with these lies. Notice that Jesus does not say come when you've had a chance to do your laundry. He did not say come when you've had a, more time to start reading your Bible regularly. And he did not say come when you have a sin in a 24-hour period. Jesus says come because you feel the weight of your sins upon you and you're truly burdened. The man who thinks he can qualify himself to come to trust Christ and not yet believe that we love him because he loved us first. First John 4.19 It's this man who's so close to the kingdom of God that hangs on to Satan's lies. He's not set his gaze upon Jesus and into the grave he sinks. And then there's also false assurance. These are the ones who tell themselves that because they sit in the pews weekly, walk around saying they love Jesus and put on a false air of Christianity. They hang on to their sins. They are repenting. They are repenting and thinking that they are okay in the sight of the Lord. In Matthew 7, verses 21-23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then to the watery pit of wrath they sing. See, so just like in Jesus' invitation to come to him, there's something deeper. So is a statement to learn from him. He's not saying to jot down a few life principles to try and apply to daily habits for success. What he's calling us to is to put on his yoke of faith. We must be completely and humbly submitting to him. In our hearts, we search for no other avenues of peace, joy, salvation, or faith. That our entire being is devoted to trust in him alone. Setting our gaze upon him, the Messiah, the Son of God. Do we really trust him? Or are we trusting ourselves like the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abarim, sinking into the earth to be swallowed up by God's wrath? 
see, we can trust and learn and have faith in Christ because for those who repent, unlike the cruel systems of this world, He truly has a heart that is gentle and lowly. Jesus reveals that His heart, His messianic Son of God heart, is a heart of kindness. We put on His yoke of faith. It's so kind upon us. It's pleasing and inviting. And as John Calvin says, when His example shall have become accustomed to us, the meekness and humility, we shall no longer feel His yoke to be troublesome. Jesus is gentle to those who have faith in Him. There is one way that we need to be careful here, though. We cannot confuse meekness with weakness. See, what is amazing is the very God who has the right and would be justified to leave us in our sins loves repentant sinners and is gentle with us. Those who have faith in Him, He teaches, He leads out of the burden. Think of when your child goes up to the road and starts to cross the road without holding your hand and looking both ways. You have a couple of options to deal with them. You can uh, yell at them and slap them in the back of the head and say, what did I tell you about being dangerous on the road? And then on the other end, reach down, grab their hand and say, you forgot what I told you. You could get really hurt the way you were being so reckless by the road. I love you. Please remember my warning to you. Don't be so reckless. The latter is how Jesus deals with those he loves. The repentant sinner he is kind, he is gentle, and he is lowly leading them from their sin burden. However, the same loving Jesus is the sovereign king of this world who hates sin. And in his sovereignty, in his strength, in his strength, the wicked will face his wrath. The same Jesus that takes the sin burden of the elect is the same Jesus that the Apostle John writes. Now, this is the apostle that Jesus loved. Tells us in Revelation 6, verses 16 through 17. And he said to the mountains and the rocks, that is those, the people who are fleeing from God because they know that they're not in this kingdom. They say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come and He was able to stand. The unrepentant will want to hide from the Lamb and those who repented will be hidden in the Lamb. Jesus lays out the pe- these people are. In the very last chapter of Revelation, chapter 20 and verse 8, He says, There are those who will not receive, who will not have faith, and they will not receive His grace. He says, The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral. By the way, that word right there, sexually immoral, is the junk drawer of all things that is mar- that is sex outside of marriage or in any other way that you can think of anything outside of that. Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Those who do not put on the yoke of Jesus will suffer his eternal wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. Do not hang on to your sins and do not let them weigh you down instead of trusting in Jesus. Though Jesus is meek, he is not weak. 
how wonderful is the grace and meekness toward those who know that they are in full of labor and heavy burden and feel that sin upon them needing relief. Know there's eternal wrath for the unrepentant. Jesus shows his meekness for those he loves because he promises to give rest for repentant sinners. First of all, in verse 28, you see rest is something that is given to you from Jesus. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. Rest is a pure example of his grace and mercy. And though we deserve to be burdened, he gives us rest. And secondly, in verse 29, when you put on the yoke of Christ, you will find this rest. You won't be able to resist it. You see, mankind is not able to receive rest unless Christ gives it. And when the rest is given, you will know it. You will find it in Him. You see, this is a reward for having faith in Jesus. He will give us this rest. Notice that He doesn't say you will find it in the world. Rather, it's found in Him. In our day, we see so many people that are on these medications and they try every day to rest and uh, settle their mind and things. And I'm not criticizing them. I'm not. It must be a terrible cycle that they go through. But it's this cycle that they know is that if they take this pill and it wears off, that peace and all that will go away. They're caught in this cycle of anxiety, chemically induced temporary peace. See, but with Jesus, the effect is very different. Once we are aware that we cannot rest in our own righteousness, we find that we can truly rest in His. We see that His work is complete and done. We can count on Him and our peace in Him is eternal. We can put on His yoke and learn from Him and that true rest. Though we ourselves cannot bear the burden of our sin, in His rest, He bore the burden for us on the cross. First Peter chapter 2, 24, it says that Jesus himself bore our sins on his body on a tree. Jesus. In Hebrews 9.28, it says, So Christ was offered up to bear the sins of many. Jesus bore the sins of those who know their sin burden is too great to bear. He bore for you, the repentant sinner. As they drove the nails into his hands, he is doing this for you. He laid his life for you, a sinner. As they drove those nails into him, he was doing the will of his Father, reeling the heart of God to the sinner. And they carry the sin burden because we cannot. He loves you, repentant sinner. He gave his life for you. And at this time, he put your sins on his shoulder and they are nailed to the cross right there with him. Have faith in Jesus to do this for you. His righteousness is given to you because he knows that your works will never ease your burden. It's all him. He did it for you. Take off your yoke of self-righteousness and sin and put on his gentle leading yoke and trust in him alone. Gaze upon him. Accept his salvation invitation to having faith in Him. See, Jesus reveals the heart of God like no one else can. God has always been the sin-bearer of His people because God loved His people with His desire to be their helper. He's always borne their sin burden. Go back into Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4-11 through 11 reads, Surely 
He has borne our griefs and carried our sins sorrows. Yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, his meek. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before his shearers was silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he is cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And they made the grave of the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he was, had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall not labor his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It is no accident that Matthew has the very next chapter that starts with Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. Because those who are truly in this church who worship Him come together and find their rest in Christ on the Sabbath. The church gathers to worship the one who carried their sin burden and they know they could not bear the sin of their own righteousness. Those that keep their gaze upon Him, they will not sink into the grave and rest in Him on the Sabbath and forget the burden of this world because the world knows that we are his children by the way we practice the Sabbath. Jesus alone is worthy of worship. And as the angel gave Joseph, his mother Mary's husband, whom she had not yet known, Jesus' purpose for coming. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus was to ultimately bring his children to eternal rest and save them from their sins. There is true rest in Jesus there are those who won't find rest in Jesus. Verse 25, Jesus thanks the Father that the truth of His Messiahship, His deity, is hidden from those who trust in the things of this world. It is the prescription of our Father in Heaven that those who trust in their own works and intelligence don't come to faith in Christ. So many times I've heard people looking for churches that have a particular youth program or a band or a number of programs and all the times I've picked people up the first time they say to me I come to you because I heard you're a church that helps people just once when I hear I come to you because I've heard that you preach the truth there are wise and prudent converts to all these things in the world self-help programs certain things that make you feel like you're all giddy Cash. They're wise and prudent. They're not babes surrendering everything to Christ. Thirsting for the gospel to grow in his ways. Rarely ever that one would join a church because the truth of the gospel are preached, it seems. Saving faith in Christ is preached without hesitation, no matter how unpopular it is, 
how much those outside the walls of God's kingdom are scorned and gnashed their teeth that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only way to heaven, is pointed to over and over from the pulpit saying, go there, go to Jesus. He says, believe in him and trust in him. It's he that died for you, not the rock band. This is God's sovereignty at work. The wise trusting in themselves and making their own religion. Having their sin burden when trusting themselves, not thinking about their soul needing to be washed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only the humble, those who know their sin burden, come to faith in Jesus and trust in no other thing. Sum it up, be tethered to Christ. Put on his yoke of salvation as he alone can save you from the weary burden of your sins. No longer trust in your works but that of which Christ has worked for you. Learn from him alone as he will set you on the path to the heart of the Father for the repentant sinner. That's where you will find true rest and burden from your sins. Believe and repent. Repent and believe. Because it's Christ who took the burden of your sin to the cross with him. Or have they been left upon your back to take you down into the grave, sinking from your sin burden into the eternal wrath of God, crushing you like grapes in the wine press of God's wrath? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do save that you do see that we are burdened by our sins, that we're burdened by our works against you, that we're burdened by our lack of love for you and the lack of love for our labor. God, we beg for mercy. Lord, we beg that it is our sins that we're hanging up on the cross because we cannot bear the burden ourselves. Lord, let us not be drugged down into a pit of wrath because we've not trusted in you. We've not had faith in you. Lord, teach us. Put your yoke upon us to guide us to truth. Help us one day not only just rest here on the Sabbath here as an example of how we are your children and we trust in you, but help us come to eternal rest in you. Lord Jesus, your will be done, but come quickly. Lord, be meek to us, be kind to us, be gentle to us. We ask that you give us not what we deserve. Please give us your grace and mercy. We pray this evening in Jesus' holy name, for it is him alone who saves. Amen.